Welcome to The Lex Factor, a lawfully good podcast where we'll brief you on the business of law so you can build a better practice and capture more billable hours. Hello, everybody. Welcome to your next episode of The Lex Factor. Very excited to be here today after the holiday break. Not sure when this will be aired, but excited nonetheless to be back in the studio. And I have my co-host, Yale, with me today. How are you doing, Yale? I am great. And just so you know, holiday break, I mean, you left it non-committal. So this could be after any holiday. <laughs> That's right. It could be Valentine's Day. That's you right. You don't even know. Or Arbor Day. Arbor Day. Yeah. Arbor Day is a good day. Absolutely. They were giving out trees yesterday where I was at. I I was very excited about that. I don't know. I thought it was a weird time to give out trees, but hey. Well, you know, they've got inventory to clear out. I guess. It's good for the environment. That's right. It is is definitely good for the environment. Yeah. So welcome back being my uh, celebrity co-host. That's what I'm going to name you as, my celebrity co-host. Sure. Okay. He has quite the background in stand-up and broadcasting he's he's really famous right but today we have a hall of famer with us we have a legal marketing hall of famer with us yes we have a great guest today sylvia coulter well i'm excited to be joining you both and uh i love the energy that you're bringing to this absolutely Uh, you know, at least you're not not all tired out from the the holiday feasting, right? <laughs> I'm I'm actually taking a, a nap after this, so ah, I okay. to, to okay. got to build it up so that I work work out all my energy. So why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about you? Sure, sure. So I have been in the uh, law firm world in, in one way or another for my entire career. I started off in the attorney general's office in Boston. Massachusetts. And uh, and then from there went to um, uh, the technology side of legal and was selling automation, you know, first firms to automate uh, litigation, litigation support, time and billing. And from there, we could see the changes in the market happening. And from there, started a consulting firm um, in 1989 and had that for 10 years. And then I went in-house and built the former Halen Doors business development team, which was a phenomenal experience. And uh, and then rejoined the consulting practice after that. Uh, So I have been inside, outside, (laughs) all around consulting uh, one way or another in the legal industry. You name it. And yeah, yeah, a long time. And uh, I just have to say that my dog, uh, Billy Holiday, who's a Labrador, is is with me in the office today. So if anybody hears her barking, <laughs> that's that's what it is. It's not me. <laughs> no, I enjoy listening to Billy Holiday. So uh, I think we're I think we're going to be okay. So awesome. So you were you were um, merging legal and tech back in the late '80s. So you know a thing or two about sea changes within the legal industry. And I I suppose that uh, in your in your your current enterprise, uh, that kind of background and experience comes in quite handy, trying to get attorneys to really embrace the world of, of marketing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, at Law Vision, I head up our business development team and uh, the, the company overall really helps law firms with anything to do with running a firm from operations to strategy, 
project management, process improvement, and, uh, and our business development team are all expert salespeople. We've all been in sales, carrying a bag, so to speak, working on commission. So we know a thing or two about sales and strategic accounts, which is what we're going to talk about today. And I, I call it, we call it strategic account management because in the commercial world, that's what it is, right? It's not called key client planning. And I think that the importance of calling it strategic account management is really the mindset that we want everybody to start having. It, these are strategic accounts. When you, when you look at the big four, the big consulting firms, the big engineering, architectural, you name the industry, they all have strategic accounts that are incredibly important to the future revenue of the business. In fact, uh, many of them have seven, eight, nine, ten strategic accounts, and the rest just fall into place. Mm -hmm. So this is something very different in legal that we haven't seen yet. And so today we're really going to talk about what is strategic account management? What's we call it SAM legal? And how does that differ from key client planning? And it differs, like I said, the, the mindset. It is strategic. And what we've seen historically is these key client teams, you know, some of them are huge. Some of them are, you know, unwieldy. They aren't focused on the right things. And so, frankly, a lot of them haven't really achieved what they could be achieving. Not to say that they haven't been successful at some level, uh, but to really take it to the next step and to really take it to a, a strategic level, there's there's just some refining that needs to be done. So we could jump right in and start talking about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that sounds great. We have a process. And, and by the way, this process is the same as pretty much any commercial uh, you know, firm would have. Uh, or commercial business. In fact, most of our listeners, law firm clients have sales teams and they have strategic accounts. And so this is not new to the commercial world or other professional services, as I mentioned before. But there's really four major areas of strategic account planning. The first is prepare. And I'm going to go through all these in, in a little more detail. The second is select. And the third is implement. And the fourth is sustain. So prepare, select, implement, sustain. That's the framework. Hanging off of that framework, if you will, are the key sub-elements of, of that framework. So one of the things that we see not happening <laughs> is the alignment with the firm strategy. So in prepare, in the prepare part of the framework, that includes aligning with firm strategy. People say to us, well, our firm doesn't have a strategy. I was just going to well, say that. How many do you run across <laughs> that say that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Even if there's no written strategy or no one knows what the heck the strategy is, the strategy is to make money, right? So let's just say that's the strategy. <laughs> um, the strategy is always to retain and grow clients. And the strategy is always to acquire new business. So if there's no formal strategic plan, 
that everybody knows, that's at least the, you know, everybody could agree on that, right? Right, starting point. Sure. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, if you don't Absolutely. know, if you don't know who you are and what you're about, how are you supposed to convince anybody to come along with you? So right. you're you're holding that mirror up. Exactly. And when we're coaching teams, we'll usually say, "Look, if you can't get people on board, we say this is to support the firm's overall goal of client growth." And everybody knows that has to be a goal, right? Client growth, client retention. We Let's protect our clients from our competitors. So confirming alignment with firm strategy, or at least discussing this is the, this is the reason for having a, a SAM legal, as we call it, strategic account management program at the firm. The second piece of confirming alignment with firm strategy is to make sure that there's leadership buy-in. And that may seem like, well, of course, our you know executive committee or our managing partner buys into this, but we're talking about leadership across the firm. So uh, does everyone on the executive committee, the management committee, um, the business professionals, the office heads, the practice chairs, the department heads, is everybody aligned with this? Because we're at the starting point here and we got to make sure everybody's at the starting gate with us. And if we start to have people who aren't on that train when it leaves the station, as we say, we start to have some initial problems because they're going to be naysayers and there's going to be people who say, oh, yeah, you know, that team over there doesn't include anyone from my group or whatever the negative comments might be. But this has to be leadership buy-in across the firm. So this is something else that we see lacking. And again, this sounds simple, but it's not simple. And it could be a firm of 20 people or it could be a firm of 2,000 people. Got to have buy-in. Everybody has to know what's happening and what the game plan is. Otherwise, the team is not going to make it onto the field, right? Right. Sure. And <laughs> and this, so we're still in prepare. Uh, so the second piece of that framework is analyzing the client base. So what's the history with the clients? I should say this process works really well for prospects. So not just clients, but prospects. Uh, but in, you know, for today, we're talking about clients. So what's the history with what, what does the history look like with the clients? So we just did something, uh, an analysis for a firm as an example. Um, and they had 22,000 clients. That's a lot of clients. Right. And 242 clients made up 85% of the firm's revenue. 242 clients. And this is a firm with 750 lawyers. Okay. So when we say analyze the client base, we're saying, which clients are the ones over, and we did a seven-year look back on that. So which clients over the last five to seven years have uh, been instrumental in you know, creating 80, 85% of the firm's revenue? That number is going to be pretty small compared to the overall client base. That includes one-off client. Well, you know, we have a litigation over here that was really big. That's not going to happen again. We don't know if the client will ever hire us again. That client was a client, so should be considered, right? Because we're going to talk about developing these relationships further. 
So what are the metrics? That's what we're really talking about. And then out of those 242 clients, we then take a look at, okay, what industries do these clients represent? And in this case, I'm, I'm not going to use exact percentages sure. because I don't have it in front of me. I don't remember. But traditional manufacturing was a big percentage. Traditional healthcare, hospitals, physician groups was like 17%. Um, life sciences, which included med device and, and biotech, was another chunk, like 38 something percent. Um, and so they, we ended up with five key industries that 85% of the revenue was coming from over the last seven years. So as an aside, that's your industry target right there, right? Because you have a great story to tell and we have a lot of clients represented in those industries already. So that's another way to look at that. Again, this might all sound simple and people say they do this all the time, but we don't see it very often. So I'm not convinced <laughs> that a lot of firms have done even that baseline analysis. And then we look at, okay, we've got 242 clients. We're not going to have 242 client teams. That would be crazy. Um, but then we take a look at relationships um, and some other key metrics, you know, what, where do we have relationships? Where do we think there's possibility of, for growth? Where do we have feet on the ground? You know, those kinds of things. And, and from all of that, we select an initial pool of 20. These are not the targets yet. This is just our initial, okay, these 20, some of these 20 are going to be in our initial selection. So, that is prepare, right? So there's a lot of things that go into all of that. This takes time and especially, like I said, the leadership buy-in. Then we go to what we call select. So now we select five to 10, maybe 10 is a big number if you haven't mm -hmm. done this before. Let's say you already have client teams and you've got a whole bunch of them up and running and some are successful, some aren't. Uh, go with the ones that are the most successful and, and let's reboot the program. You know, it's, I call it a strategy. I shouldn't call it a program because it really is a very core element of any business's strategic plan is to have a strategic account management program. So now we go to select. So we have 20, you know, give or take, and we're going to do a little bit more analysis. Here's where people should be going out, talking to the clients, doing client surveys, client interviews, learning about the client. People say to us all the time, we know all about our clients, uh, especially the relationship lawyers, right? Now, I know our clients, we hear this all the time. So we ask a few simple questions. What is their two to three year plan for growth? What are their expansion plans? If it's a product company, what's their distribution strategy? Who are the major suppliers to their business, right? Very few partners, honestly, can answer those questions. Very few. If, and sometimes they don't have any idea. I'll give you an example. We were working with a firm and um, wonderful client team. This was a reboot number three. 
Oh. Right? They launched these teams three times. and Well, this was the third time. They said, we can't call them client teams. We can't. So, you know, we said, look, this is strategic account management. It's different. Um, and so the it, this particular client team, the client was one of the largest companies in the world based out of Japan. Um, I'd never even heard of the company. And it's one of the largest companies in the world. Uh, they own loads of loads of companies. They're in many industries. They have billions of dollars. And the the partner was really nervous about asking the client, uh, and they had a good relationship uh, about, about the client's business. And so we said, let's go get a copy of the client's strategic plan. And they said, Sylvia, you don't understand. This is a company that doesn't share that kind of information on and on and on. Well, the net net of this is we got a copy of, we got an executive summary of the client's strategic plan. It was 30 pages, the summary. They were in so many different industries, but one of the big industries and one of their big strategy goals for the next year was to invest, you know, incredibly amount of money, millions of dollars in the U.S. medical device market. So that's really important. This firm was a, a corporate firm based on the West Coast that had a lot of medical device company clients and a lot of great contacts. So right away, you could start to see the synergy there's between, a, yeah. Absolutely. And how we could, what we could base our initial strategy on for this client uh, for the uh, strategic account, right? So I'm just, that was an example of, Look, you go out and talk to your clients and learn a little bit about them and then decide which clients are initially going to be in the client team program, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So that is really, really key. We see this piece missing almost 100% of the time, 99% of the time. Not that people aren't going out and talking to clients. They are. But it's like after they've already had these client teams, they'll go out and talk to clients or they'll do these client interviews, but they don't they don't align it with the strategic account program. And so there's it's it's all, you know, kind of separate and apart. So this is a key element of selecting which clients will be in the strategic account program. So and we once we finalize that information, we go out and talk to the clients about the strategic account program and make sure they're on board, right? Because Mm -hmm. this isn't just about us, are our clients on board with this? So you see just in these two sections, right? Prepare and select, you're building a foundation here. You're building a process for the firm to be successful with their strategic account initiative and you're also building buy-in from the client side, all the while educating everybody about how this all works. Right. So I hope that's making some sense. Absolutely. Um, and, to our listeners. And, and mm-hmm. then after that, though, then you really go to the launch and implement, right? Absolutely. So then we launch. So there's a lot that's happened here um, before we launch. And and I can say that you know we've we've often seen. You know, we'll we'll jump in and fix client team programs gone awry or astray or something, and and uh, and the selection 
pieces are missing, right? The client hasn't been informed. The client, I can't emphasize enough, the clients are part of the strategic account team. They have to be, okay? This is not something we do internally. This is something we have to focus on externally. And I, I would suppose that that in the, the winnowing process, um, when, when you're moving down from the group of 20, I, I suppose that how would you advise um, an attorney or a law firm to deal with a client who is reluctant to be a part of it? Is it is it just, uh, OK, you know, we won't you know move forward, they'll leave the group of 20 or whatever? Or do you try to encourage your lawyers to encourage the clients to be a part of this process? Uh, good question. You, you always encourage the lawyers to encourage the clients. I honestly have never heard of a client uh, or, you know, some of the decision makers at the client who don't want to be involved in this process. Not saying that doesn't happen, but I've never heard of it That's at all. good news. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, they want, they want to be included. Uh, as I said before, clients all have strategic accounts. Right, clients are out there generating revenue. They've got customers or clients themselves, and so and mo- many of them have sales teams, so they understand all of this quite well. Um, you know, take a departure for a second from the law firm world, law firm client world, and think about you know American Express and their platinum business card or. Um, you know, the airlines and you get all these points and your executive platinum all, you know, we all care about this stuff, right? We all care about being an important customer, an important client. And, you know, it's even more important in uh, a more formal setting like this. So clients are on board with this as long as they understand that they are important that this is, you know, you're an important client. We are really in, excited about the relationship we have, and we want to help you and your business be successful. That's why we're doing this, right? Do you, do you ever see where uh, you have selected a client, but the the firm is not bringing to the table the benefit that the customer would expect being a part of this uh, strategy and being part of this selection, whereas the client is saying, why are you wasting my time with this additional information? You've not given me anything additional other than what you've originally provided to me. Is there some mentality that you have to think about to make sure that the attorneys know that understanding the additional strategies, understand, is a means for you to help your client more and to be more engaged? Do you ever have the reverse where the law firms just struggle with providing that extra level of service for them? Well, it's a it's a great question, and and really in the prepare stage is where we need to always think about what does this mean, right? What does a strategic account um, program or what does a strategic account initiative strategy mean for our clients? Not for us. We get it. We're going to make money down the road if we do this right. But what does it mean for our clients? And I have um, a a client intersection, a law firm client intersection chart. And this gets a lot more into the weeds, but 
we look at every intersection a client has with the firm. And there are, you know, easily a hundred. But you think about receptionist, telephones, um, invoices, it, it just can go on and on. If they're visiting the firm, parking garage, every intersection. So now we're getting into process here mm-hmm. um, a lot deeper. And are all those intersections with this client solid? Do we do we have everyone involved with the client on any level in this law firm? Do we have them aware of the program, aware that this is a key client of our firm, and aware that when this client calls or has a question or we're sending an invoice, whatever it might be, is visiting the firm that day that everyone involved knows? So there's no company that does this better than the Ritz-Carlton or the Four Seasons. So they, you know, you could take a lesson lesson <laughs> from them on, um, you know, looking at the customer slash client intersections, and is every point of contact with that client known to the individual in the firm who's having that, you know, who potentially could have that? Am I making sense yeah, there? Yes. Yeah, you're you're really yeah. wanting each intersection point to be an experience that helps the client. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And no detail so, is too small. Right. Absolutely. No detail is too small. And so if we don't understand that going in, then what do we really have? We just have, okay, we, you know, we have this client team. They meet uh, quarterly or monthly. They talk about, you know, current billings. They talk about, oh, we've got this you know, women leader thing going on. Let's invite the general counsel because she's a woman to that event. That's not strategic account management, right? And and it's it's people sitting around pontificating about what they know about the client. Eh, doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Does not work. So um, this is a well thought out strategy. Another way to think about this is every client. And especially if they're a strategic account, is dealing with more than one law firm. We all know that. So your strategic account, maybe they bring in three million, maybe they bring in thirty million a year to the firm, is also someone else's strategic account. So you gotta you gotta outplay this. You know you you've got to make sure that you are in a position to outshine the competition. Mm-hmm. The competition could be Deloitte, E&Y, PwC. These these firms are masters. They are grand masters at strategic account management. And, you know, I always recommend that if, if any of our listeners, for example, have a contact at one of those organizations, go out and talk to them about their strategic accounts and how they manage them. It's mind-blowing how important they are to the overall organization and what's involved in managing these strategic accounts and how they're set up and and run. So this is big, big, big time business. And uh, so if if we can't get people engaged, then then we need to disengage and find a new leader. That can be difficult. We got key stakeholders here, rainmakers, everybody Mm -hmm. else. But the leader... Part of implementation, which is our next piece in the framework, um, well, let me go back a minute. Part of selection should also be team leaders, right? And I, we, I mean, I recommend that we have 
a chair and a vice chair of that team. The meetings have to happen regardless. So the chair can't make it, the vice chair takes over. The meetings have to happen. It has to keep moving forward. And the clients, as I said, are involved and they, they like being involved. They absolutely. Teams should not be more than seven people. Otherwise, there's many, many books written about this. They're not successful. They're not, they could be successful, but they're not as successful as they could be, if that makes sense. Right, sure. So seven people, this is the, these are the ambassadors. These are the key players um, who are going to go out, but we got a whole bench behind them of players. If something happens, somebody gets sick, uh, somebody's got to leave somebody's got a big trial. We've got some more players who intersect with this client. So, uh, you know, the whole firm is on the client team, if that makes sense. Sure. Right. Yeah, so as a key ambassadors, I can select anyone I need to come and go play on the field if necessary. Right. It's so, your bench. It's making sure you have those people from the right. beginning to prepare to the end of select. What's the time frame usually, like typical? Uh, boy, that's a good question. <laughs> it depends. Um, it, it depends a lot on how important this is at the firm, um, the priority it's been it's been given at the firm. <clears throat> Excuse me. If I would say if everybody's aligned and everybody's on board with this, prepare and select could be done in two months. Okay. Okay. I was expecting now, a little bit longer, but yeah, two months. Yeah. I Now, I would say if you add in the client interviews, it can absolutely take longer because mm -hmm. it's all based on people's availability and schedules. Um, so, but I'm, the internal piece of this should not take longer than two months. Then okay. The, you know, select part B is go out and talk to the clients. Right. That's going to take a longer time. And But, you know. It's, and then it's, at the it's, end of select, you're going to have that five to ten core clients that correct. are really your strategic partners. So you're looking at two months. We've we've now completed prepare and select. We know who our five to ten strategic partners are. Uh, we're all ready to move forward with it. Um, but what I want to do is look back over what we just discussed. And if you could give our listening audience kind of some gotchas or some piece of advice when doing prepare select of traps not to fall into, what would those be? Uh, good question. Let's see. I would say um, number one is don't fall into the trap of just going with the biggest revenue producing clients off the bat, right? We want to make sure that we've got, come up with a selection guide or email me. I've got a, you know, client selection guide. I'm happy to email it out to everybody. Um, just considerations to give. Uh, but don't go with just the big numbers because that's not always the right. There could be a client, you know, uh, that, that that you had a piece of litigation or did a deal for. And so revenue wise, they weren't huge, but they have big, big, big potential. So, you know, we start off with revenue because that's an easy measure. Number two, don't go with anyone who's not a team player for your team leaders. So we might have a, we might have our <laughs> initial 20 picked out, and then we're going to look at the relationships 
not only the relationships we have with those clients, but the relationship lawyers and their ability to be team players. This is a long-term strategy. So we don't implement and then say, okay, now we got the next batch of clients we're going to work on. This is long-term, ongoing, never-ending, um, unless there's, you know, a catastrophe with a client or something. But, um, and so pick the people who are willing players, team, team players, and are open to learning a new process. So that's number two. Got to get the right team team players involved. Number three is make sure that you have client interviews, industry analyses, all the information that you need about these clients before you ever start to implement anything. Because you, you've got to be expert, quote unquote, uh, with what's going on as much as you can learn from whatever kind of uh, analysis or industry information that you have. Sometimes we see these like big piles of information. That's number four. Don't get caught up <laughs> in piles of information. We had these booklets delivered one time, uh, my partner Jim and I, to our offices and he called me and said, what am I supposed to do with this? And then one of the partners said, what are we supposed to do with all this information? So what's key? This is like, we're driving forward here. What is key to helping us get on the road and get to the destination? And it's not getting you know, stuck in these piles and piles of information. Right. So keep it simple. We need to learn about the client. We need to learn about their industry. And this is just initially, then we're going to go out and learn from them as well. So, you know, it's, it's team player. It's don't go just with the big number clients, uh, learn about the industry, make sure you've got lots of good information. Don't get stuck in piles of, you know, data, because that's not going to help. It's not going to help you launch or drive a, a strategic account strategy. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Sylvia. Uh, we covered two of the key sections, prepare and select, on the episode today. We're going to have you back to talk about implement and sustain uh, in the next episode. So kind of a teaser out there because all of this work that we've done so far in prepare and select, we're just getting to the launch point of implement. We're just getting to the point to where this gets kicked off. And that's when we'll really dive in and start talking about how to implement this. And then more importantly, how do we keep it going? How do we make sure that it is something that is a long-term strategy for the firm? So it, It's a cliffhanger. It's it a, We need some dramatic organ music. <laughs> Dun. <laughs> I can't do it. I just can't. But loved it. So thank you so much for being on the episode today. Well, thanks for having me. And we made Have it through without day. without uh, your puppy uh, chiming without in. Without Billie Holiday yeah, barking. Without yes. her, her coming in and, and singing some beautiful music. <laughs> I, I love it. Well, thank you so much. All right. Take care, everybody. All right. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of The Lex Factor. We're very excited for our next episodes coming up. Please make sure to listen to us anywhere you get your podcast and make sure to subscribe and like us. It uh, is great talking to you and see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in to The Lex Factor. Lexicon takes care of business so you can take care of law. Learn how to build a better practice at lexiconservices.com.